You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Thursday evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Stanley Cup final is mercifully over. Uh, we can all get our lives back now. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the Montreal Canadiens in five games. Uh, five very not entertaining games for the most part. Uh, and our team is left on the sidelines. So lots of emotions uh, and another finished season. And uh, I think a tough one for Islanders fans, you know, it's a tough one to kind of just walk away from, just go back to your, your life after what we saw and uh, what the team did and didn't accomplish over the course of the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you, you don't want to seem bratty because you know, if you told yourself three years ago, almost to this day, <laughs> Hey, if the Islanders made to, to conference finals two years in a row, but came up short, like, and you felt right. um, you almost yeah. yeah you felt but you feel almost a little cheated. What would you do? And you say, "Well, I'd punch future me in the face," you know, because that's <laughs> so selfish and so um, arrogant. But uh, yeah, I mean, like it's there's this is this is um, a weird time because like I still am having trouble going back and watching like the great moments because there were plenty of them because of the way it ended and like how sad it was. But um, I know. It's it's comforting to know that like in a couple of weeks or months or whatever years when when these moments become like etched into Islander lore like how great it's going to feel to to watch those highlights all over again um, and and I think about that like so like the 2016 team which a lot of people for for a lot of great reasons and legitimate reasons hold really near and dear to their heart you know first playoff series win in 
basically our lifetime, my lifetime and <laughs> my generation of fans lifetime. Um, I have trouble watching those highlights still because like, of that's how yeah. much John Tavares leaving, you know, for right or wrong. Like I admit, like I'm a very uh, emotionally immature person when it comes to the Islanders. Um, like I'll tell you that right off the jump. And um, I do have trouble watching those highlights though, just because of how much that affected me. And I know that this, this won't be the same, obviously. Like this is, this is a completely different feeling uh, to that. Like uh, every time I watch Anthony Beauvillier's overtime goal or Casey Sezikis's overtime goal, um, I'm going to feel great. And it just, it's tough because it hasn't got to that point yet. Um, and I think the cup final ending uh, does is a step towards that at least. Yeah. What, what is nostalgia before it's nostalgia is really what it comes down. You know, like right. if we, what is it, what is it between the point when, it happened and oh wow you remember that like that's the whole thing and so you know i mean for example like for me you know as a collector of like old video games and old toys and stuff like there's a certain era where i can go back to and be like yes this this means something to me this is cool but then there's stuff from other years that i'm like oh that's trash i don't care like it's what's the difference you know well it means something to me and i think that that kind of happens here like at some point yeah i think we'll look back on this this year's team and be like, damn, that was an awesome team. And that was a great run they went on. And that was a lot of fun. And they came up short, but, you know, what are you going to do? Whereas, you know, for a time that 2016 team was, or the 2013 was team was, or the 93 team was. And so, you know, we'll get to that point, but that point is not right now. Um, we are going to be joined later by our friend Arthur Staple uh, to kind of start us off in the uh, off season here. Uh, all the many different ways it can go, and you know, if you think too hard about them, your brain might explode. But uh, let's—we're going to start with a little bit about the the Cup Final um, again. It, you know, and this is no, all due respect to the Lightning—they won, they earned it. To win two cups in like you know less than a calendar year is really something pretty remarkable and to do it under these circumstances is crazy. Um, you can complain about their cap situation. Uh, you can complain about their style of play, but I mean, again, they earned it. Like there's, you know, they got there and they did it and they beat two teams that, you know, might've been lucky and happy to be there. Uh, the Canadians looked overmatched for the first three games of the series. <laughs> again, I don't, not saying that out of disrespect, they just were. And, Game four was, I thought, pretty entertaining, but again, came down to the goalies in a lot of cases. And obviously, Stanley Cup final overtime is just the greatest thing ever. And the Habs turned, and won that, and turned out to win that game. And then uh, last night's game five, I just kind of checked out for the most part. The only goal of the game was scored by Ross Colton. And if you, you know, if you picked a, a player to score on the Lightning, it, I don't think, you know, you would have gotten to him in 100 guesses. I didn't even know who he was until the Islanders ended up playing them in the playoffs. So, it was a uh, it was a strange series, and you know I don't think anybody's surprised that Tampa Bay won. Um, but again, there's some definitely some lingering feelings, and you know, wondering if a one nothing game seven in the conference or the semifinals had gone a different way, if the Islanders might not be celebrating a Stanley Cup right now. And if you really want to think back, you could think, hmm, you know, they lost in Game Six last year, and couple of guys in Adam Pellick and uh, Casey Zizekas were hurt. If those guys hadn't gotten hurt or if Brock Nelson had, you know, scored in, in overtime and extended that series to game seven, what happens then? The Islanders could have won and end up playing the Dallas Stars, another team that, you know, was okay, but not really great. Um, 
then would we be celebrating two Stanley Cups right now? <laughs> um, again, this is this is you know pretty pretty heady stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I just I don't know. It, it I got no problem with the Lightning winning. They were really good. We'll talk about Nikita Kucherov's comments afterwards uh, in in a few minutes. But um, you know, it's just it's funny to me that like people were praising the Lightning for being this great offensive team. But really, when you think about it, you know, they keep winning these series with shutouts. And for a long time last night, the Canadians would skate into their zone and get nothing out of it. I looked up in the middle, halfway through the third period and more than halfway through the third period. And the Habs still only had 18 shots. And it was like, where, what are they doing when they get into the zone? They're not doing anything. It's because we know the lightning get blocks. They don't let you shoot. And, uh, they're, they're a pretty tough defensive team and I don't think they get enough credit for it. And, it's annoying because they get a ton of credit for everything, but I really don't think they get enough credit for just shutting you down defensively and just making life hell. And quite frankly, making the games a little bit boring if I'm not, if I'm not, uh, if I'm being honest. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, I spent a lot of my time checking my phone, watching TV was not really engaged in what should have been the final, you know, big, biggest game of the year. It just didn't happen. Yeah. I think uh, if you watched, you know, a one, nothing game of like the Euros, and that like bled into Tampa Bay right. versus Montreal game five. It, it felt a little bit like a, you know, a soccer game um, mm. in that way. Like you could see that the t- t- two different teams set up and the lightning set up and their tactics were to defend like hell and make Vasilevsky's mm. life as easy as possible. And the Canadians were um, kind of like pragmatically trying to poke holes in the lightning. And uh, you see that a lot of times in soccer um, with teams that are just ruthless, like the lightning are and, yeah, I think like the just the way you you put it, right? Like, look, you you do have those questions. That that's part of the reason I was like rooting for the the, the lightning after they went up two or three nothing. And I say rooting as in like, you know, just, just get being, it over like, with. Please just end it because <laughs> yeah, it was inevitable. What, right? Exactly yeah. the same way. Yeah. Because I just wanted to stop asking me myself those questions. Um, you know, it's you think about um those the how how close everything was. Uh. You want to even go back to game two and it was one, one after the first period. And if you know, the Islanders play a little bit more disciplined, do they go up to you know, two, nothing on series? Like they, they were the closest team to beat the lightning basically in both seasons. Yep. And uh, so that's why those questions, you know, that's why it hurts as much as it did despite, you know, that, that question that you ask yourself was of, you know, I'm an Islander fan. I should be thrilled by making two uh, cup uh, conference finals in a row. But uh, of course, uh, you don't know what it's like till you're in it. And uh, history of course is written by the victors. And that's what we're seeing right now is uh, with all these lightning, um, you know, think pieces and stuff and what their place in the hockey universe and hockey history truly is and what it means. And you just know that the Islanders are going to just be a footnote to the 30 other 31 other franchises um, and their fan bases or um, whatever, like the Islanders are just a footnote to the lightning story just as though you know in the 80s a lot of teams were footnotes in the islanders stories and um so on and so forth and it reminds me a little bit like the san jose sharks were um in like the early part of or early to mid part of last decade um they they were always there uh they they were a good team that was in the playoffs would give teams trouble they'd win some series here and there and one thing just would go wrong and they would uh, eventually come up short they made the cup that one year um, but didn't win it and you think about that team and it's makeup and it's similar ish to the islanders with uh you know thornton marlowe pavelski couture 
um, Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, those guys played together for a very, very long time. And um, they kept going back. Like that's what Trot said after the game is like the hardest part is, you know, you have to keep going back and right. to get to this point. And that that's true for fan bases too. Um, but, and, and you think now um, six, seven years after the heyday of those Sharks teams and you wonder, um, you know, they, they became a little bit forgettable since then because they never won anything and right. the team has since dispersed and you just hope um, there's a more, uh, happy ending for this Islander team. And <laughs> you, you, you just wonder how, like, I wonder how this group is going to be treated, um, you know, by the greater hockey world. Uh, because right now there's been some people, they've basically been like kind of washed out of the playoffs. People love to still talk about that Panthers lightning series for the lightning. Um, and then they, they talk, they talk about game seven against the Islanders, maybe a little bit, but there's never any, uh, you know, an Elliot Freeman on 31 Thoughts gave the Islanders credit, but besides him, really, um, it doesn't seem like people will know uh, or, or appreciate just just how close this team was to being um, a huge part of NHL history with the, the runs they were on. They were they were just so close. And uh, I think that is what what I was getting at before, which is why uh, you just can't I just can't watch these. Uh, the Islanders keep putting out these really well-made hype videos and then <laughs> I start crying. And then I like, I can't watch that again for months at least because it's, <laughs> it's the pain is just so raw still, about, mm. you know, we're still grieving. We're grieving the loss of the 2021 Islanders and that's still fair to, to be going through that process. I think. Yeah. I, I think people will eventually not us. Cause obviously we remember, but I think people outside when they look back at this season will be like, Damn, the Islanders really did come close. They're the only team that they really gave the Lightning a run for its money. And and they didn't just it wasn't just luck. I mean, you know, you could make the argument that the Lightning for whatever reason didn't show up in game 1 and you could make the argument that the Islanders for whatever reason didn't show up in game 5. You know, one ended up being a pretty complete what was what was game 1? It was 4-1 or something like that win and and then the obviously was the 8-0 loss. And so if you kind of take those out, you know, you've got really five really super duper close games left and uh you know that the islanders are the only team that really gave the 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 lightning fits i mean the 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 so the odds came out i'm sure you already saw them for next year's stanley cup and the islanders are 20 to 1 they're like eight you know the eighth team down or whatever in a, a big clump and it's like teams like the hurricanes and and uh, avalanche and um other te- you know obviously some of them make sense but like you know, the hurricanes the leafs like these teams have better odds than the Islanders to do it. And quite frankly, I don't, the, the hurricanes lost to the lightning in five games. The Leafs would have been destroyed by the lightning. Let's, let's be fair. Like they just, they absolutely would have been manhandled and the Islanders gave them all they could handle for, for the better part of seven games. And it's just like, you know, I, I think people will appreciate that over time. And I think they will notice it. And, and especially if the Islanders, uh, you know, add upon their roster over the course of the uh, off season, which again, we'll talk to, art about later um but it's funny you mentioned that you know teams like the sharks and there's a there was a stat going around like the shows all the the playoff wins of teams since 2009 and of all the teams that have had you know say what's say the 10 most playoff wins in the the league since that time pretty much the only one that never won a cup was the sharks (laughs) so you got like penguins lightning blackhawks kings 
uh, and I think Blues or Bruins. That's what it was, Bruins. And every one of them won at least one cup, <laughs> except for San Jose, who are in there somewhere. And yeah, I mean, winning is hard. Like we talked about this with the Rangers, you know, when when Henrik Lundqvist looked like he was going to retire or move on or whatever. Like, you know, winning is hard. Like that that Rangers team had the best goalie in the league and the staunchest defense in the league for a long time. They went to one cup final. They got they lost in five games. They went to a bunch of conference finals and lost. And, you know, they were a good team, but sometimes it's hard to find that extra piece. The Lightning have found it twice in a row now. The Penguins found it twice in a row, too. The Caps found it that one year. So it, it can be hard. And if you saw Nikita Kucherov's press conference, which we'll talk about in a second, like, you know, he he started out by talking about how great his teammates are. And, of course, you think that. Like, he thinks, of course, Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league. He's the MVP. I can, he can't believe that. That other guy in Vegas got the Vezina trophy. Yeah. Like, and he was like, and the other guy la- the year before, I had to remember too. I couldn't remember. It was Connor Hellebuck uh, who won the Vezina the year before. Um, and so he's, you know, he he played with these guys a long time. They had a lot of failure and and he pulled, they finally pulled it through. And damn, I'd be pretty happy with my teammates too if I did that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I thought, uh, I mean, the, the Ranger thing actually gives me a little comfort, by the way, um, because it shows you like, that you, you, as Barry Trotz said, you got to keep going back, and teams do. Like they do keep coming back. You, they t- keep, go, they keep going back. Uh, I mean, it felt interminable with the Rangers. It felt like they made the playoffs and went at least one or two rounds every year from the the lockout season to basically uh, two thousand and six seventeen, whenever they uh, sent out that letter. So that's you know a decade and a half. And then the Penguins, they they make the playoffs fifteen years in a row. I think the Capitals are somewhere between like 11 out of 12 or something like that. And, you know, when, when you have a foundation in place, that's really the hardest part. And the Islanders have that. And we know that Um, we, we hear it all the time. It's, it's basically their biggest strength as a franchise right now is their, the foundation and people they have in place. Uh, So teams like those Rangers teams and thinking about them does just gives me a little bit of comfort and, um, then you got like, cause you, you can also look at the other way, which is the teams that who come up short, even shorter than the sharks yeah. did like the, the, the Leafs. Uh, they, right. they, there's clearly something that doesn't um, make sense there with the way that that organization has been run for so long. And that's probably why they, they've done what they've done. And um, by the way, uh, another important thing just to mention uh, about the season and, and how, why it was so great is you think of, you know, even before the playoffs, um, the Islanders just dismantling the Rangers in those basically playoff games. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the, the Rangers front office blowing up and Larry Brooks saying it was because of the Islanders. Um, it, it was really a near perfect season when you consider the way the rivals went out, the the Rangers that in that way. Um, the, the Maple Leafs blowing a 3-1 lead with Amazon filming a documentary uh, <laughs> to be along for the ride, which I cannot wait for. I might do what... Uh, who was a Jay Body, the listener who who, hmm. who read it on a movie theater? I might do the same thing just to watch that final episode <laughs> of the Amazon doc. Um, invite all my friends like Jeff Merrick and stuff and James Myrtle. Um, yeah. I might actually do it. I might send them invitations in the mail. Um, but uh, you know, you think about those things too. Like can ha- those those things add up? You think about the way the Penguins went out. The Penguins went out at the hands of the Islanders again. So there were so many moments like that too that you'll think about down the line and. Uh, you know, like that's why it did hurt because you can um, just just imagine Leo Komarov giving that same kind of press presser at the end of <laughs> you know he'd probably we- be wearing like full uh, 
battle regalia or something. <laughs> Maybe seven like languages. Yeah, <laughs> seven languages. He'd be wearing like a Napoleon Bonaparte era outfit or something and doing that same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, you know, that's, you, there was all these so many good things that it, it was so close to being perfect. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess it's one of those things where you fly so close to the sun and uh, who's it, Icarus or some, mm-hmm. he falls yeah. to the earth and it hurts that much because he was so close. And um, yeah, I, it's, that's those, those things like watching him and watching, uh, you know, the, the cup procession and just imagining what it would look like for the Islanders. That's, that stuff has uh, has made it hurt a little bit more, and thank God it's over. Yeah, yeah, I was in the uh, please just end this camp, not because I wanted to see the Habs get swept, but because it, it, it had run its course, and we just all wanted to move on. Although I was kind of hoping a little bit the Habs would get swept, because then people would say, damn, how did the Islanders win three games against these guys? The Habs couldn't win one, and I was kind of hoping that they would, the Habs... Hurricanes and Panthers would all equal the amount of wins the Islanders had against Lightning. But again, that's, I think, for people to discover uh, later on. But yeah, so um, Kucherov, you know, he was out there shirtless. He was, you know, uh, taken in the Bud Light uh, at at a a quick pace. He was uh, in a very very boisterous mood, as uh, Walt Frazier would say. And uh, he also had some words for the, uh, the crowd in Montreal complaining about how they they, you know, uh, cheered and and um, celebrated their game four win like it was their Stanley Cup. Their Stanley Cup was the series before. He said, um, "You know, I people. This has been this was the big scuttlebutt. The people complaining about the complaining about the complaining about Kudra. What like it's cool that he has he said stuff. If he's not going to say stuff at that point, when is he going to say stuff? Like you know, Steve Stamkos gave like the very kind of." very solemn, quiet post-game, post-championship speech. It's boring and everything. But, like, my problem really is not so much with, you know, Kucherov letting loose in a press conference, but it's more like we're still really complaining about how fans celebrate a win in the playoffs. Like, didn't the Islanders just go through this where a certain somebody was complaining about how, you know, they cheered, they, they celebrated a win in the middle of a playoff series and you know that team they've won cups why are you cheering this they're freaking fans dude they're fans i don't get why we have to complain about fans cheering for games this isn't a tuesday night game against ottawa that's when you have a pretty muted celebration but like these are the playoffs like what are those habs fans supposed to do just like sit on their hands and be like okay thanks like that's not how it works and i'm just <laughs> thinking to myself like would would you go up to your grandmother on her birthday and be like You've had 86 birthdays, Grandma. Stop celebrating this one. Like, you you know, act like you've been there before. Get a hold of yourself. Show some self-respect. Put that cake down. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that. It's her 86th birthday. Let her have a slice of cake. Let her do whatever the hell she wants. It's her birthday. Like, that's what I just don't understand. Like, and this is, you know, people, there was an article in Athletic, like, you know, Kucherov cutting loose is what's going to get people to watch these games. No, nobody, nothing's going to get people to watch the NHL we've been over this. Like nobody wants to watch hockey. Like it's never going to happen here. ESPN or, or otherwise, but I just, I, I hate this, this sort of concept of you're not lot, You're not cheering the right way. You're either, you know, we complained about Tampa fans being too quiet. Now he's complaining about Montreal fans being too loud. And if they're an overtime win in the cup final, like, I just, I don't know. I don't understand. Like, are we supposed to fill out a waiver to like cheer for, I don't, I don't care. It's just, that's the annoying part to me. That the fact that he was shirtless drinking Bud Light and talking shit, is cool, but that 
that was just the wrong shit to talk. I don't know. It's just, it's, I found it kind of stupid. It's yeah. It's 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 one thing if the player is doing it, uh, especially a player who just won the Stanley Cup after a, a monstrous performance. But I just think it's when the media does it that that <laughs> like makes it like it's one thing for Nikita Kucherov to to yeah talk smack about the uh, the Canadians fans. He just beat them. Um, mm. I had I was at July fourth um, with my family, like my parents wife and uh some like my brothers and their their significant others at the beach and my mom's best friend um who is a huge ranger fan like mm-hmm. she's from brooklyn grew up just lives and dies with the rangers still and she came up to me for you know 10 minutes and was just talking shit <laughs> and i respect her so much for that because i would do the <laughs> same thing if like i saw my ranger fan like doing i would do the same thing like that that must have been hell for ranger fans to, to watch <laughs> You know, and, um, you know, we know each other forever. So it's like, I know she's not, you know, doing this. This this is part of being a fan. It's part of being in a rivalry. Um, and that's, I, I was just thinking when she was doing that, like how someone from like the outside, like if, if uh, Pierre Lebrun was sitting next to me on the <laughs> beach, um, yeah. how he would have think of that because he would be almost appalled. And, mm. and I, I would be like, no, that's exactly what fans do. Like this is, they're, they're the whole point of this is fan is short for, for fanatic and we're fans and you're supposed to express yourself in any way you seem fit. As long as it's not, you don't cross the line right. and, and nobody, I haven't seen a fan cr- like cross the line in years because it's really hard to do it now. Like you can't go streaking because there's cameras everywhere. <laughs> like you can't do stuff like that. Right. Like you're there gonna was get- some rioting in Montreal, which is, I, I wondered if that was what Kucherov was talking about. Like the, overturn cop cars and whatever but uh right. it is hard to do though like that's, right. yes you know. and i'm sure those people are all going to be in trouble like it's yeah. it's um you know for uh just forever like it's you just can't like it's not going to happen and and the the crazy reaction to all this stuff is the cycle is just brutal you you, know, you yeah. can count on 10 things when a when jacob voracek had that uh press conference oh yeah when he like made fun <laughs> of the media member which probably was you know not a good thing to do um and not a nice thing to do he's very uh mean-spirited uh whereas kucherov's wasn't and, and we saw it with like our, i think austin matthews a couple times oh yeah um but then th- whenever anything happens like that where an nhl player steps over the line one way or another or put c- comes to the line whether it be cross-checking somebody or doing a shirtless pose game the cycle is all this is always the same right you got the one guy saying it's you know this is Gordy Howe is rolling over in his grave. Then you got the other guy writing, uh, oh, you know, this is good for the sport. And they, yeah, like you said, the made up mm. potential. It's like there's somebody sitting on the fence, whether they're going to be like, should I be an NBA <laughs> fan or should I be an NHL fan? That's not, that's not, a, it's right. like, this, there isn't that, there isn't that made up fan of who, who's, mm. who if they turn into an, tune into an Islander Bruins game, be like, oh, this sport is just not for me. Look mm. at how boring it is, three, <laughs> two. Like that fan doesn't exist. And as soon as we kind of, bury that trope the better the sport will be because instead of instead of trying to write about the sport for that fan or write what's good for that fan why don't you focus on the ones that you have because it's like the the quality over the quantity like hockey fans are nuts like we live and die with the team we know that everybody around the hockey sphere lives and dies with their team it's uh so instead of like catering to a non-existent hypothetical fan that we've all made up in our heads that is maybe going to watch ESPN now because the it's nobody can find NBC Sports on their <laughs> uh, their remote. Like that fan doesn't exist. That fan is yeah. you know the, 
those fans and they're quite frankly like even if they're i'm sure there are actually people out there like that if they do exist they're just not as important as the the dallas stars fan who's going to be like i'm who has a blake como jersey you know right those are the fans that the the, the league should be catering to and yeah. it's pretty easy to see what these the real fans the non-hypothetical fans like um and even even a lot of people in the media don't see that it's really uh it's interesting they, you 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 follow hockey Twitter and you follow these accounts that do disseminate all this information that you need and you crave, you crave the content and you want to know who, who is on Vladimir Tarasenko's list. So you need to follow these people. Sure. And you need to, to follow other accounts to know, you know, what, how he's been doing and what his contract is, whatever. Um, but the people who run those accounts just seem like they hate the sport that they watch or, yeah. and that's, that's what bugs me more than anything. Yeah. I definitely get that feeling. And I definitely also get, the feeling and you mentioned NBC sports and we'll spend two seconds on them. Uh, that will be probably, that will be the last game you'll see on hockey game. You'll see on NBC sports network, a channel that literally nobody could find. It was a great tweet about bartenders having, not having to spend five minutes anymore trying to find that game when you want that channel, when you want to watch a hockey game. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's that product as well, kind of catered to a mystery fan that didn't really exist. Like, I don't know who wants to hear, you know, absolutely nothing from Keith Jones and and Mike Babcock in between intermissions. I just, I don't know. I don't get it. It was made in the coldest, least sort of fan friendly way possible, uh, and it was. It'll never not like mystify me that somebody thought Pierre Maguire was somebody that fans wanted to hear from in the middle of a game. Fortunately, we were spared Pierre for the most part of the game, but he did get to interview Luke Shen. At the end, uh, as on the ice, who had been scratched for all but eight games in the playoffs, uh, and so you know that's Pierre. That was Pierre's wish. I, I'm sure. I wonder if he's more clever than we give him credit for because he, you know, that NHL draft, mm. he lost his mind just talking about every draft pick that it wasn't Luke Shen, um, right. the human eraser. So yeah, I wonder if he knew knows that and he knows that his uh, Luke Shen draft was uh, the stuff of legend and and. He had to get. He had to close the chapter in, in the most apropos way possible. Because when I saw when I saw mm. someone tweet that he was interviewing Luke Shen, I just lost it. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, in a way, I'm, in the way that Pierre is hilarious, which is that he is just an absolute, you know, joke joker. Like he's yeah. uh, one of those um, jesters, court jester kind of. That's how I've always viewed him, and that's what has helped me kind of be entertained by him the past couple seasons when I stopped being getting angry at him. I guarantee 100% that he knows exactly what he is and why he interviewed Luke Shen. And he can take his act anywhere else other than ESPN and TNT uh, for the foreseeable future. Okay, we're going to take a break. That's enough of the the Stanley Cup final talk. We're going to take a break. We're going to come on with our friend Arthur Staple, who is going to tell us uh, you know, what to look forward to in this offseason and uh, when Vladimir Tarasenko is going to get here. So come back in a minute and we'll talk about that. Thanks. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They also have hats. They have jerseys. You want a Columbus chilled jersey uh, from the early 90s, you can get it at VintageIceHockey.com. They also have Al, our Al Arbor t-shirts, uh, and our portion of the sales of which go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. You can also use the code LIGHTHOUSE15 to save 15%. Uh, I just spoke with Kevin the other day, and I just want to thank everybody for buying shirts, using the code. Uh, that money does go to the Center for Dementia Research. And, you know, it's not a lot, but I'm sure they appreciate it. And I feel a lot better knowing that it's going there and it's making people happy. So uh, check out VintageIceHockey.com today for all that cool stuff. Okay. We are proud to bring in and pleased to bring in uh, a friend of ours. He writes for The Athletic. You you follow him. You read his stuff every day. And he's the man our man inside the Islanders locker room. He is Arthur Staple. Art, thanks for uh, spending a little time with us. It's good to be here. I don't know that the, I can't remember the last time I was in the Islanders locker room, but I'll I'll try to help out any way I can. <laughs> the metaphorical locker room, the Zoom locker room, right. uh, so to speak, yeah. I guess. My favorite place. Yeah, yeah. well, I hope you enjoyed it because uh, that is the end of that uh, span, hopefully. But uh, so I'm going to start with uh, the end, so to speak, at the... Uh, those Zoom, those final round of Zoom conferences, there were the ones uh, after the Islanders lost to the Lightning, very emotional, a lot of guys in tears, a lot of guys could barely formulate sentences. And then a couple of days later, we had the exit interviews, everybody clean shaven, um, talking about coming back next year and wanting to continue the story. Um, you know, and again, I know you, you weren't in the locker room this time, but I mean, it was very similar last year after the bubble. And so... Does is did it feel like I don't know if different is the right word, but did it feel different this time than last year? Is there some element that makes this year's exit interviews and post game uh, Zoom press conferences different than last year? And do you think the team has changed from last year's uh, semifinal loss to the Lightning to this year's semifinal loss to the Lightning? Um, you know, I think. For a lot of the players, and I, you know, I don't think a lot of them have articulated this, but I think just judging by their reactions, um, you know, they they went through a real grind, and and obviously the mental part of it last year in the bubble was was probably a little bit heightened because of all the hoops that they all had to jump through just to get the games going, uh, and the weirdness of having it all be in empty buildings. It didn't take away from the excitement of it, I think, but it was still a little bit strange. And felt a little surreal. And I think this season, even as weird as this season was, felt a lot more real to them. And I think that's why it felt the, the sting was greater. You know, it, the, the, the fans were there by the end. Their families, they were around their families. It, it sort of felt like, you know, last year they, they went away to some like secret remote location and almost <laughs> won a championship and came back and told everybody about it. And they were like, yeah, we watched, but it didn't. It was like watching you know, astronauts land on the moon. It didn't quite feel uh, <laughs> as immediate and as real as it does when you're playing in your own building and sleeping in your own bed and have your 
your significant other or your parents or your kids in the in the building watching you play and there's the excitement of having all the fans and being on the island uh you know progressing through the rounds of the playoffs so i think that that made it hurt even more because it felt a lot more real to everybody um and you know yeah they're they're a better team you know i i i believe barry trotz when he says the lightning were better this year than last year and the islanders were better this year than last year i think not just because they got so close in a game seven but uh but I, I think, you know, you, you file away that experience and that knowledge that you gain going deep into the playoffs, and it really makes a difference. You know, you think back a few years to some of the some of the, the, the near misses, uh, you know, in 2015 and 2016, and, and I think part of that you can chalk it up to, like, that was a team that just didn't learn how to have a killer instinct when they needed to, whether it was, you know, the first time around against Tampa leading in the third period twice in 2016 or the no show in game seven uh, against Washington in 2015. And then they kind of scramble the deck and come back. And and here you have, uh, you know, Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz guys who have been there, who have won. Um, they have a couple guys in the room who have been there and won. And suddenly the whole group just starts believing and it and it turns into a very different experience for them and and uh you know i I think they believed all the way along but i think the experience of last year gave them a little bit more faith maybe than let's say the national pundits or literally (laughs) anybody who doesn't pay attention to the islanders for more than 10 minutes um and i think they validated it by doing it you know doing it again and i'm sure we'll you'll go back next season starts (laughs) no matter what happens this off season and people will say, yeah, I don't know about the Islanders, and they'll be ready to do it all over again. Yeah, we were talking before about how they're already like a 20 to 1 odds to win the cup. And it's like behind the Panthers, behind yeah. the Panthers. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's I mean, ever been behind the Panthers in any betting. Yeah. Scenario. I just think it's funny, too, that, that they're just behind the, the, the Bruins who they just beat, and our, right. the Bruins have right. some questions, too. And I know they're always good, but yeah, it's, I, I, I'm assuming that we'll be uh, getting mm. used to those kind of digs and stuff for the next uh three months um i also wonder like you know, we, we know that this and the, you heard the lightning steal barry trotz's line or john cooper's about how uh this group like knows they weren't going to be together again and i wonder too if that weighs into it um as well like uh and it, there's going to be more changes than uh i think this group is used to and i wonder if like that you know, that kind of leads us to like the next point, which is that we know the, the questions for this off season, Dan and I in the, in the, the green room before the show are saying mm-hmm. to him, like, we know what the questions are. Like, we know exactly, like, we don't need to go over those really. Um, but like, what, what's more interesting to me is what the answers to those questions or the hypothetical answers to those questions mean, which is like, let's say Nick Letty goes, right. Who, how hard do you think it would be for the Islanders to even, no matter what you're, opinion of his season and his last three seasons have been how hard is it for the Islanders to find somebody to eat those minutes as effective as effectively as, as Nick Letty did. So I think that, that, that would be like my first question to you. It's, it's the big question to me, you know, maybe it's our, you know, we don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. Maybe it's already been answered. I, I think um, I, I've certainly learned, and I think the fans have certainly learned over Barry Trotz's time here that Barry Trotz is a big Nick Letty fan. And, uh, you know, the, his play, I think was a little bit more erratic this year than the year before. Um, But I think they still feel like there's a guy that they can trust to play 20 minutes who doesn't wear down 
physically. Um, you know, he's a guy who doesn't really miss much time at all. Um, and he can still provide some, you know, some, some highlight real moments or some real, uh, strong rushes up the ice that, uh, that kind of can offset his, maybe his inability to be as, as tough as he needs to be in the defensive zone or as, as kind of aware as he needs to be in the defensive zone. Um, but I, it really comes down to, there's nobody knocking on the door for that spot right now. You know, I think the, the, you know, the, the comment section wag sort of feel like, well, Samuel Bullduck will just step right in. And I'm like, I, I don't know which organization you've been watching for the last few years, but uh, I don't think Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz are putting a guy with 24 AHL games into the second pair to play 20 minutes a night. It's just, it's not happening. Uh, and the kid could be really good, but it, it's going to be a, at least until the end of the season, I would think, uh, before we see him in any sort of even part-time role, forget a regular role. I mean, it, Noah Dobson is in his second NHL season and they still skip him every second or third shift yeah. every, every second or third time through the rotation. So uh, the trust factor is always super important with trots. Letty has it. And I'm still not convinced, even though it makes a lot of sense to leave him exposed uh, off the, the expansion protected list and just let Seattle take him. And then you can use that money somewhere else to try to retain some of the other guys. It's a, it's the big, it would be the biggest hole in the lineup. Uh, if they let him go, you know, I, mm-hmm. there's other guys that you could see Jordan Everly, uh, even a Josh Bailey, even Anthony Beauvillier, who's probably not a guy that they want to see go, but may have to, um, if they want to upgrade their top six, uh, even those guys, you know, you've still, you've got Oliver Wallstrom. Um, there's more forwards out there that can play top nine roles, uh, that are free agents. And even a guy like Semyon Varlamov, that's to me is sort of a, I would imagine it's not even really being considered, but if you had to, to create cap space, you could see a scenario where they keep Sorokin, they let Varlamov go or trade Varlamov and bring in another goalie because there are goalies out there. With Nick Letty, there's nobody out there that's an obvious choice to say that's our guy to be our to be our second pair, twenty minute a night, top, you know, power play guy. It's just it's it's not evident and it's not obvious to me that this is the guy that they're gonna let go. Yeah, I mean, you almost would slide I guess Dobson into that spot because he and Letty have kind of similar skill sets. But yeah, like you said, I mean, does he have the amount of trust there? He's still young. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. There are some free agent defensemen out there that that might make sense. But just before we get to them, I guess we'll stay on the topic of the expansion draft. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess they could. It's going to be fascinating to see. And I believe it's the 18th, right, that that they will expose all the team's uh, protected lists. Um, it is going to be fascinating to see who the Islanders protect here because, you know, Jordan Everly is a bit of a cult hero here and, and obviously has chemistry with Barzell. He is incredibly streaky. I think that's fair to say. I think even if you, he would probably say that. But yeah, he and Letty are, are the two guys that I think would probably be the most likely to be exposed. But I, I don't know. Would they expose Josh Bailey? Again, the guy who's, you know, he's, what is he, the third most games played in an Islander uniform right now? Um, but my kind of feeling is that they're going to make a deal with Seattle. We saw this with Vegas back then. It was Mikhail Grabowski. Garth Snow kind of jumped through a lot of hoops to protect Adam Pellick, which seemed like a bit of a weird flex at the time. And now boy, that worked out pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Garth for doing that. Um, But uh, do you see that as, as being a, I mean, obviously nobody's going to read Lou Lamorello's mind, so I don't expect you to like, you know, get this spot on or anything, but, uh, 
what do you think the odds are? You think they're high or low that there will be a deal made uh, to make to have Seattle take somebody who's maybe less likely to get picked? You know. Yeah, I could certainly see it. the 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 hesitancy that I have is what sort of deal can they make? You know, you think back to nobody's going to get fleeced, and I don't even know if you can really <laughs> call it. There were some other teams that were that made much sillier deals than the Islanders did. Right. You know, and the Islanders they did unload the last couple of years of Grabowski's contract. Right. They gave up a first round pick that I think was. 17 or 18 overall, 16, something like that. It was Eric Brandstrom who can't even get into the uh, lineup for the Senators right now. But probably still worth having in your farm system if you're the Islanders. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I don't know that you can look back and say that was was a mistake. Obviously, keeping all the defensemen together was was the goal, and and that worked out pretty well for the the future of the franchise. Um, Now, when you think about a deal, it does make sense to me. Uh, is it a deal to get them to take Jordan Eberle, who's mm. a very useful player um, for Seattle? You know, he's got a little bit of term left on his contract. So maybe the cost for that is a second round pick and maybe someone like Kiefer Bellows or Otto Koivula um, to throw in, which sounds like a lot. But I think there's, you know, Seattle just has a lot of leverage in this scenario for right. these teams that are really looking to shed salary and also trying to keep the guys that they want to keep. You know, if you're talking about they're trying to just, you know, if they're dumping a Leo Komarov or uh, an Andrew Ladd, I know, Dan, your personal mission yes. is to get Andrew Ladd to <laughs> Seattle. Um, if that's the case, then you're talking uh, next year's first mm. and maybe Robin Sal. You know, ma- mm. the, 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 the quality of each asset goes up. Uh, and with Ladd, I don't even know if it's possible that it's even on the table just because mm. uh, his deal is so bad and his career is so, so much you know, in the toilet. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways it can go. And I think even, uh, a week from Sunday, when we find out who's on the protected list and who's unprotected, I don't think that's going to be the end of it. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see, uh, you know, I don't know that anything's going to leak out if there's a deal in place, but if Nick Letty's name is not on that protected list, I don't think that means that Nick Letty's going to be lining up for the Kraken next year. I think it means that we got to wait till, the following Wednesday night at eight o'clock or whatever to see what sort of side deal is taking place and, and who gets selected. So it's uh, there's going to be a little bit of a, a drawn out bit of drama, <laughs> I think, over the next 10 days or so. Right. I wonder what, like, what, what do you think the best case scenario is for the Islanders in the expansion draft? Like who comes off? Because I, I, in my head, like I go back and forth on whether it's Eberly or not, just because of the, the deal. Um, uh, I mean, like, and, and I'm being realistic here. I'm not throwing Andrew Ladd in in the mix for that. Like, I'm, I'm just, I I wonder like who, like the most realistic kind of uh, the most realistic best case scenario is. um, And and I guess it would be Everly. I don't know. You know, there's obviously other moves that, that they could make if they decided to let, let it go. Um, You know, there's, I think in my kind of like roster projections where I just threw three of them together uh, the other day, you know, I had a a trade with St. Louis that, that had, Vladimir Tarasenko and Vince Dunn coming back the other way. And everyone's kind of on me because I gave up Beauvillier and Eberle. And I don't even know St. Louis would consider that. Who knows? But uh, getting killed for giving up Beauvillier to get Tarasenko, who is older and coming off a million shoulder surgeries, I get it. But I think the bigger key is to get a guy like Vince Dunn, who could be a a 20-minute-a-night left defenseman, uh, who's going to cost you probably 
you know, two and a half to $3 million less per year than Nick Letty, which every dollar is so important. So, um, if that's, you know, if your goal is to move on from Nick Letty, then the best case scenario is the simplest one, which is he's left unprotected and Seattle takes him. And then the Islanders do something exciting, interesting, potentially disastrous to fill that spot, <laughs> um, which I think the anticipation of that would, would make most people in the fan base just faint away dead. But <laughs> um, it would uh, it would be exciting and it certainly would justify all of our all of our all of our musings about it. But I think. Maybe the, to me, the best case scenario, if you're Barry Trotz and, and Lou Lamarillo and you, you are very focused on keeping as many of these core guys together as you possibly can, is you, you make a smallish deal, a second round pick, and they, the Seattle takes Otto Koivula or Kiefer Bellows, probably Koivula over Bellows just because he's a center versus a wing. Uh, and then you don't lose anybody. You still have massive cap headaches to go after the expansion draft, but at least you know that 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 possibility is is off the table. Yeah, I was gonna say like that. You know, you could do that, and then you're still stuck with the same cap situation that you're in now. But uh, I do find it funny that you had. I'm looking at the article right now, and you do have Vladimir Tarasenko on uh, one of these rosters. You also have Patrick Marlowe. We're going to skip him for now. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you know, I really, I really was just looking for an older guy who costs close to the league minimum. Because yeah. You mean Val Fulpola? Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think they have enough. of the, yeah, I think Pajo is sort of like your younger Val yeah. Fulpola. Yes, that is true. Uh, and uh, and equally as handsome, but just in a different way. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> So Tarasenko is, is a cool ad. You also have Zdeno Chara in there, which I think would be – uh, so that would be the coolest of all to me. Oh, for sure. The, completing the circle there. And I <laughs> bet in Zdeno Char's mind, if he decides to play next year, that never in a million years would he have thought that the Islanders would be a place he would want to circle back to after his miserable <laughs> yeah. experience 20 plus years ago. But <laughs> that would be the most, uh, that would be to me, the symbol of the Islanders complete rebirth is mm. if Zdeno Chara, who, uh, got treated like garbage and left and became a superstar and a surefire Hall of Famer would say, yeah, one more year, I'll go back to Long Island. We'll see yeah. how it goes. <laughs> and then when he retires, he can just walk right into the real estate business on Long Island, which as we That's all know right. is, uh, is very robust. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, but Tarasenko is interesting because as as we know last night, really interesting news, by the way, to drop moments before a deciding game in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, turns out he wants out of St. Louis. He's he much like Jack Eichel. He's upset at sort of the medical treatment he's gotten over the last couple of years. I believe he's played 42 games over the last two seasons, which seems almost unreal. But he's been very injured. And, you know, we know him as like a 30 goal guy, an all star player, exciting player. Um, but those days are a couple of years ago. And it's it's hard to really remember that. But uh, I mean, I would think so. Let, let's assume that the Islanders, you know, lose a Koivula or Bellows at the all-star at the expansion draft. And then you have to, you know, they want to kind of acquire somebody like a Tarasenko. Somebody's going to have to get moved out. Um, would the price for Tarasenko even be that high? I mean, I can't imagine it would be, I mean, the dude's hurt. I mean, and I know I'm going to, I'm going to roll a lot of eyes saying this, but like, you know, there are injury concerns on, on the Islanders. And I wonder if just trading hours for, the St. Louis blues makes some sense. Like, I don't know if that, that is possible. Maybe I'm just, you know, hopeful being very hopeful here, but uh, it seems like he could be had for not as much as people think, I guess is probably what I'm trying to say, but you got to squeeze in his contract 
uh, which is quite hefty uh, at 7.5 million a year. I mean, is, is that, is his scenario, is his acquisition like a realistic prospect do you think, or is this just probably not going to happen? It, I mean, I, I, I think big name players coming here is generally, you can just say it's probably not going to happen <laughs> because of all the, all the cap gymnastics right. that they'll have to accomplish other than straightforward, you know, trading Eberly and one, you know, they're not going to do it for Jordan Eberly and Leo Komarov, obviously. Mm. So, um, you know, the reason that I put Beauvillier in there is because much like the Devon Taves trade last offseason, there's a scenario where if you try to improve from the outside, mm. you have to let somebody go because the the RFAs are where you're getting the biggest, you know, the biggest increase in terms of, of cap hit. And um, Beauvillier is as integral a part for these last two season runs as anybody on that in that top nine up front. And he's one of the very few young homegrown forwards that they've got. And there's a lot to tell you. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But if you're, if you're focused on getting better, getting better offensively, getting better on the power play, um, you know, you have to make sacrifices. And I would imagine that with the emergence of Oliver Wallstrom, uh, that a guy like Beauvillier is expendable. If you then turn that into, you can also resign Kyle Palmieri with the money you were going to mm-hmm. give Beauvillier, and you make sure that you know there have to be attractive pieces going to going out to to get somebody back in like a Tarasenko, even as compromised as he is. So, mm-hmm. um, as a standalone move, yeah, that's too much to pay. But if you can make moves two, three, and four happen, and shore up, you know, if if you end up letting Beauvillier and Eberly go and you replace them with Tarasenko and Palmieri and Wallstrom has a bigger role. That's not too bad. You know, that's, that's still a very viable top nine. Uh, and if you can also keep Casey Sezekis in that scenario with yeah. whatever sort of strange contract they're going to end up giving him <laughs> most likely, um, then yeah, I think you'd be happy with that. Yeah. I, I think that the important thing, there are two important things to know about the Tarasenko one. One is, you know, four years ago, five years ago, if, this kind of thing happened, the Islanders would be 8 million miles away from the list of teams that he would accept a a trade to, which is still taking some getting used to. Uh, I was joking with a friend that, uh, you know, I'm still in my off season. I just assumed that Garth Snow was going to sign whoever had a pretty good AHL season last year, and he's going (laughs) to plug him in onto the top line. Like that's, those are the off seasons I've been used to in my whole life. But uh, it's it's still, so it's still strange to see that. Uh, And I also think it, it, gives the Islanders a little bit a, a shred of something that they need and they didn't have up until that moment, which is, which is like leverage or a plan B uh, just in the off season. Cause like you said, like if they do get backed into a corner uh, and have to do something untoward with one of their great players that we love, like Beauvillier or something like, at least there is kind of uh, there are guys out there that they could acquire to, to make uh, the team better. And like whether it's Tarasenko or, you know, I'm not going to mention Jack Eichel, but like there, there are a bunch of people like Johnny Gaudreau and uh, stuff. And, and so I, I remember last, last year when we had this kind of postseason powwow, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that Devon Taves, like I had like a strange feeling about him being uh, going. And, and I don't have that. I, I, I'd feel, I feel like it's less likely that Beauvillier goes uh, than, uh, Taves was. I, I think like if if this team does get shaken up a little and someone does go who's been here for a while, I think the the most likely candidates are the guys 
on the other side of 30. And like I throw Cal Clutterbuck into that mix, especially if Sezekis doesn't stay. Like he's what one, one year after this, and he's yeah. an attractive piece for for teams down the lineup. Like he's a good defensive forward. He can kill penalties still, whatever. Um, and he's got a lot of the intangibles that these organizations love. Like I I wouldn't he's like kind of the guy I'm thinking, like, I just wouldn't be surprised if if that's who ends up being like the casualty of uh maybe him and Everly or something. But I do think the one the one goal the one position that they can't really take a step back from because of this uncertainty is goaltending. And that's why like I I mean I think in the before the Bruins series I would have said, yeah, they gotta get you know, they they can afford to get rid of Varlamov and get out of that contract and use that <laughs> money for other parts of the lineup. But now I'm thinking they can't possibly take a step back in goaltending uh because their team has a possibility of being worse uh in front of the goaltending so it needs to at least be as good as it was last season hopefully better uh so i i mean i just don't do, do you think that's even being considered at this point uh with with or do you think it's almost like a guarantee we'll see these two guys especially because sorokin's an rfa like do you think it's almost 100 percent that we'll see these two guys come back uh as the the one a one b I think it's really hard to to see them making that move. Um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of reasons. I think just from a negotiating standpoint with Sorokin, if you if you're Lamarillo and you're saying to to uh, Sorokin's agent, like, yeah, we're we're committed to having both the, both these guys back, it it lowers Sorokin's price. You know, on a short term deal, whether it's one year or two years, you know, he's coming off a two million dollar uh, cap hit last season. If they keep it to two seven five or three, um, you know, anything under three is probably a win uh, in terms of that negotiation. And I think you have more leverage when you're saying he's not going to play more than thirty or thirty five games. Uh, you know, you still say he's our guy for the future, but that future is not now. And I th- and the second thing is going from fifty six back up to eighty two in the regular season. I just don't see. Ulam Rillo, the guy who loves to have his goaltending situation as secure as humanly possible, <laughs> saying we're just going to wing it with Ilya Sorokin and you know who you know Mark Andre Fleury or whoever. Um, it, it would be uncharacteristic of him, and I think you have so much else to worry about in terms of juggling the roster that um, you need to have both guys. They obviously needed to have both guys in a shortened season. I feel like when the season is back to being a long season, you absolutely need both guys. And that, you know, it's, it's just not, just doesn't seem like a conversation or a move you want to make now to, to shake that situation up again for the fourth year in a row, uh, especially coming off of the runs that Berlamov has had. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's the most successful playoff goalie they've had in 35 years, basically. Um, and I don't, I just don't see them moving on from that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I never really thought about it. Makes sense. Makes me feel better too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so again, you know, it's impossible to know what Lou Lamarillo is going to do, but like, what do you think that the first order of business is? Cause I, I mean, I liked your, your opening line of, you know, your most recent article, which was like, you know, there's not, there's not a lot going on, but there's a lot going on. And like, I think that's true for all the GMs in the league. Uh, I mean, again, the expansion draft is coming up, but you know, Lou's not a guy who, well, he, his famous line is if you have time, use it. So maybe he is going down to the wire with the expansion draft protection list. But uh, I mean, do you think he's got plans in place for a lot of these 
considerations that we're talking about. Sezikis, you know, obviously he's going to be a free agent. Uh, what about all the other guys? You know what? And the other thing too is like we're talking about starters. Like the problem for the Islanders start when the depth is challenged, and you saw what you know. Travis Ajak played a lot of minutes in these playoffs because Oliver Wallstrom got hurt, and he some of the games he played good, some not so good. So like you know, he still needs to fill out some of this the depth on this roster to find guys that can step up in places when dudes get hurt. But like, do you think he has like sort of an order of business uh, to handle uh, at this time? Or is it just sort of like waiting until just the very last minute and then just making those decisions? Oh, I think there's, there's, he's played out lots of different scenarios <laughs> and, you know, he's not, he's, he's as thorough a guy as there is. And, um, you know, I'm sure that, that he's got plan A and plan B and, and, you know, might be, doubling back to do plan double a because he's probably gone all the way through the alphabet the first time around. Right. There's just so many different factors and, and you're talking about starting to exchange, you know, ballpark figures with, with the agents for the restricted free agents. Um, you know, Casey Zekas, I'm sure has said he wants to be back. Mm. Kyle Palmieri said he wouldn't mind being back, but those are not, you know, you can't make those front burner, issues you know you, you talk to agents that around this time of year and um you know especially when you get into free agency and you certainly hear i certainly did last year a couple of them agents for guys that that the islanders would have had interest in in bringing in as new you know free agents uh and lou made contact and said we're interested but we have to sort some things out so you know circle back to us if if you can and they did and there just wasn't you know i i know Craig Smith was one of those guys uh, who ended up in Boston, a guy who was always has been an Islander killer pretty much his whole career. Uh, um, But it's just, you know, you run out of time because you haven't, they haven't, they hadn't solved any of their issues. They can't be adding to them before they, before they figure them out. So I think there's going to be a lot of situations like that. You know, I, I get the feeling that, um, the Sezika situation will look a lot like the Matt Martin situation where, where he will get to free agency um, because they won't have had their situation sorted out by then. Um, maybe he'll listen to a few teams, but I have to believe there's going to be a, a deal with a smaller cap hit than he had the last few years for a lot more years than you'd normally give a 30-year-old. So again, much like Matt Martin, but probably more than what Matt Martin got, because this is a guy who wants to be here and wants to be playing between his two best friends uh, like he has for the last few years, and they've been they've been really effective. So um you know, that situation to me feels like that. But I think the, the Palmieri situation where it's a guy who wants, has said he wants to come back and why wouldn't you? They had a great run. Um, but he's a guy who's going to free agency, you know, unrestricted free agency for the first time ever. That's probably a situation where Lou says, okay, we're interested, mm. but we have to do these nine other things. So <laughs> if he can wait and right. who can wait. So, you know, he's going to be a guy who's in a lot of demand. So, sure. um, you know, I, I think these things, you can see the way that they're going to, they could potentially play out. Obviously Lou can, you know, can do some things that are unexpected, but, uh, but I think it's going to be hard to do things that are unexpected just because of the situation they're in. It's, it's going to be, um, it's got to be money out uh, to bring any new money in. And it's got to be uh, spending an entire off season looking for ways to shed, uh, to shed salary, whether it's, you know, packaging some assets to get Lad somewhere to a team that needs to hit the floor. Detroit comes to mind. Arizona mm-hmm. comes to mind. They could certainly afford to do it, but it's not going to be cheap. Uh, you know, it would be a little bit cheaper for Leo Komarov and or Thomas Hickey. 
Uh, and both of those guys, I think, still can be viable contributors to other teams. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the case with Andrew Ladd after basically not playing for two years. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I think there's just a lot of a lot of things to be juggling at the same time. And, I, you know, it's going to kick off with the expansion draft. But, yeah, he could he could have 15 other trades and, and contracts yeah. in his drawer uh, when this all gets started. So, you no. know, who knows how how he operates that would be that would be one of my one of those quests for the stanley cup videos i would watch that (laughs) if it was just it was just a gopro in lou's office that would be the most compelling thing to me (laughs) i I think uh like what do you think about what's what we've seen so far right which is um you know nick bukestad i think signed for the league minimum for one year with minnesota um the ryan nugent hopkins deal and even like going back to last offseason with someone like Mike Hoffman or Taylor Hall even, um, with the cap being the same, do you think that tells you that you know someone like Paul Mary, for instance, do you think he will get the deal that he kind of, I guess, is in, in a normal market would deserve and be a shoe-in for, which would be like, I don't know, five and five or you know, be close to like whatever he did with uh, the Islanders a couple of years ago. Do you think that that... In, in in some ways like that flat cap kind of giveth and taketh which which is it does give the islanders at least some hope i think of signing someone like Sezikis because he won't get the four and a half million dollar deal maybe to and go to a contender because most of them are against the cap so do you think that uh you they that those kind of situations like the flat cap and the fact that these guys won't get their quote-unquote fair market value uh do you think it could lead to both those guys and and obviously other things have to happen coming back or, and, and also guys like, I, I think like Derek Broussard comes to mind, like those kind of guys signing uh, some old friends on some maybe league minimum deals. Do you think, I guess this is a question is like, do you think that that the, the situation we're in does give them at least like a little bit of hope uh, of bringing the band back together and, and being maybe even a little bit better on paper than they were this year? Yeah, I think I think Lou can definitely be in a situation where the scenario plays out like we were saying before about asking Palmieri and his camp to to have some patience and wait. And even if he doesn't have that patience, if he doesn't see anything out there that he likes, he may end up kind of circling back around and saying, "Okay, w- one year at four million, you know, I'll take it, and then I'll you know try to buy myself another big contract next time around when the cap is starting to look like it, it might go back up or we go through a whole 82 game season, you know, that the escrow situation for this coming year is so onerous. And then it dives back down quite a bit that I think even guys on, on, you know, that are, might not be interested in, in, uh, in going longer term might consider it just because you're going to take a lot less actual cash early on and get paid a little bit later. Um, so this, you know, this year is kind of a weird year in terms of those longer term deals. Like if Sezika signs for what I've been throwing out there, like six times 2.5, he's going to take, you know, a million dollars or so in salary this year. And in, in year three and four, when the escrow is really low, he might go up to four, four million cash. So, um, that might change the, the landscape for some of those unrestricted free agents. A guy like Paul Mary, who, who is coming off a decent contract. Maybe he, you know, maybe he says, okay, I'll, I'll take, I'll take three years and, and 10 million total just, and I'll just get paid more in years two and three or in year three, I'll get a, you know, I'll get a, I'll take 6 million of my 10 million and I'll give you guys a huge break on the cap hit. Mm-hmm. 
that that's definitely possible. Mm. Um, and certainly they have the advantage of having had the guy in the, in the fold for a couple of months where he's seen how they operate. Even if there's people out there who still think the Islanders are a laughing stock or don't aren't a professionally run organization. He's been here. He's seen how nice it is. He's seen how awesome the fans can be. Um, he's the one who knows that the new building is going to be great. So, um, I think that that gives them a bit of a leg up and, uh, you know, it was always Garth Snow's mantra, you know, that even when they sucked and no one wanted to come here, he was like, winning solves a lot of problems. Uh, <laughs> people will, people want to play in a broom closet if you're a winning team. And uh, they're certainly not going to play in a broom closet next year. Although if the building isn't, isn't finished when they say it's going to be finished, <laughs> they might have to play a couple of games in a broom closet, <laughs> but um, they're a good team and, uh, and everybody knows it. And that's why you've got, Maybe maybe the Islanders on Tarasenko's uh, list of places he'd be willing to go, and Kyle Palmieri wants to come back, and Casey Sezikis wants to come back, and Andy Green wants to come back, and maybe Zdeno Chara wants to come here. So uh, you know, who knows? It's uh, it, as as Mike says, everybody's everybody that's been watching and covering this team for a long time, your head starts to swim because things have changed so drastically in just a couple of years. I had completely forgotten about the arena. So you just mentioned it because it's not something I'd ever really thought of before. But uh, yeah, you know, that's a good one. I, I don't know if necessarily this year. I don't know how many people other than us and Chris King have been watching the uh, video feed of the uh, <laughs> thing being built. But uh, yeah, at some point, somebody's going to wake up and be like, oh, wow, they play this brand new arena. Plus, they have the, the practice facility and all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, th- things are moving. And uh, yeah, we could see a very dramatically different team next year or we can see mostly the same team uh through uh some other moves and non-moves uh this has been great as always uh you've uh given us much to think about uh going forward both good and bad (laughs) uh we can see how things go uh i will leave you with one question i was trying to get you uh, on a music question here because i know it's it's your other big passion and uh my musical tastes have kind of more or less stopped I don't know sometime about ten years ago. So any band that came out then is <laughs> new, quote unquote, new to me. I just bought, I just picked up the two Jack White solo albums, and I think they both came out about six years ago, or whatever. But uh, are there any albums you're looking forward to coming out this summer or uh, in the next couple of months that we should uh, be on the lookout for? Do people put out albums still? I don't know. I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I hear about them every once I, in a while. You know, I I do pay attention, but it's sort of I, it's always just a a complete surprise to me when I find mm. something that I like and, and post it on Twitter or, or recommend it to people. I, um, I, I, uh, I used to be much more attuned to what was coming out or the bands that I liked. And now I'm just kind of happy that it's so easy to listen to new music as mm. opposed to when we were all, well, not you, Mike, but when Dan and I were <laughs> younger, when you actually had to like go to a record store and put on headphones and listen to something. And it was yes. very like, this is what the big record label wants you to listen to. So you better yeah. listen to it. And it was just impossible to find all the other stuff. So <laughs> um, I'd be uh, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most uh, aside from covering hockey games and talking to people in person once again <laughs> is, uh, is seeing white Reaper in concert in September in Brooklyn. And uh, that's probably my favorite band of the last, you know, four or five years. And, um, my wife and I, I think have been out without our children once in the last 18 months. So we've had that date circled on our calendar for <laughs> a very long time. Yeah. That's and, cool. Uh, that's going to, that's going to be a fun night and it is before the season starts. So I won't even 
be the Islanders won't even interfere, which is what usually happens. Very nice. I actually know White Reaper because they have a, band, a song in rock band. So there you go. And so I know them. They are they are a pretty rocking band. I will say that sounds pretty cool. Oh, very good. It's excellent to to hear. Yes, concerts are happening. UBS Arena will host Genesis at some point. Which is also a band. <laughs> I'm sure that feels like that feels like one that might. I know Dan, you don't make it out to the island very much for Islander games, but I feel like Genesis might get you out there. So my wife actually looked into getting tickets for me. And she was like, they're expensive. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> this band hasn't been on tour since like, 25 years. I said, Phil, Phil Collins isn't rolling out of bed for less than several hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, don't, don't buy me Genesis. It's fine. I have my Genesis collection at home. It's fine. I don't need to see the main console. But <laughs> it's good to know. And so she's like, oh, I wanted to surprise you. I'm like, that's not a surprise I need. Thank you very much. You spent a lot of money on, on Genesis, but anyway, uh, but yeah, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for everything you did all season long. Um, it's hard, you know, it's, I don't know if, if you've sat to reflect upon just how in completely insane these last two seasons have been. And the fact that the Islanders have made it this far, made it even 10 times more insane, but, uh, we appreciate everything you do and be sure to put the links uh, in in the article as if everybody hasn't read the stuff already. And uh, we look forward to reading uh, what's coming next uh, of what's sure to be a very eventful off season. It's going to be a busy few weeks. So hopefully everybody's subscribed to The Athletic, uh, listening to Anxiety, listening to our podcast. And uh, yep, it's going to be wild, I think. Even if they manage to keep everybody that they need to keep, it's still going to be pretty wild. So thanks as always, boys. I appreciate cool. it. Thanks a lot, Art. So, Take care. Thanks again to our friend Arthur Staple of The Athletic for coming on with us and, and giving us, uh, as usual, way more time than we deserve. <laughs> but uh, it has a lot to chew on there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are sitting around thinking, man, I don't know if I want the Islanders to be without Jordan Eberle or Anthony Beauvillier or perhaps Nick Letty or perhaps Leo Komarov. But, you know, that that possibility exists. And so we're going to have to <laughs> sit and wait and possibly live with the uh, the results <laughs> of what happens there. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, I think that was when when the Islanders were playing, um, you know, Game Six against the Bruins and the and then against the Penguins. I, was, I think I said this on one of our shows that, um, you know, when it when it looked like they might lose, I was getting used to the fact of like, oh, I'm watching Nick Letty for the last time or something like that because that was on my mind, you know, way back then. So uh, it just it just sucks a little bit. Yeah, uh, even if you know, even if it is Leo Komarov or something <laughs> like that. Uh, because it's just, uh, you know, this has been such a likable team. And, and that's something that I don't think Islander fans take for granted. It's like how, just how likable a, a group this has been um, since uh, 2018, just because of their, they had a lot of chip on their shoulder and they really leaned into that and they really identified with the team. And uh, it was, uh, it's to see even, even, you know, if it's a minuscule change, uh, it does kind of suck, but then, the game start, you get attached to the, to the new guys. And, and that's always good. And I just have a funny feeling that uh, we're going to see some kind of old friends back. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, every, every off season, I predict that Franz Nielsen is going to get bought out and he'll come back. But uh, mm. I just, I just have a funny feeling uh, whether it's Nielsen or Derek Broussard or someone like Chara or something. It just, it just feels like there's going to be one weird uh, guy uh, who's who's been around the block with this team and comes back and I just I I I just have that feeling I don't know I have no no reason to feel that way I just I just do yeah. I, I mean that's this is the time 
You never know. Uh, and uh, yeah, Chara, uh, again, like Art said, I, I don't know if anybody ever thought that he would ever <laughs> end up back here again. But uh, it's definitely, you know. It's, yeah, it's not outside the realm of possibilities, no. which is just completely different, you know? And yeah. Just uh, imagine imagine the the reception he'd get, you right. know? Uh, first game back. Mm. It would be even louder than when Brian Burrard came back in 2008. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I think I think somewhat <laughs> it, it would be. <laughs> it would just be. It would be fun. I mean, it, it, I was thinking about that with Nielsen last night when I started to think, like, just can you imagine what that what the place would be like if, if Franz Nielsen came back? Mm. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, what Art was saying about Palmieri is he's been around, so he gets it. Right. You know, we, we talk about that a lot with going back to – Evgeny Nabokov and Lubomir Brzezinski that once these guys do understand what this area and team and fan base is all about, it is, it is kind of intoxicating. Mm. And so that's why I have a feeling like we, we, we could see someone who knows mm. uh, what, 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 how great it is that, to be a, a part of a, an organization like this, that might not be the glitz and glamor of the Rangers or Maple Leafs or whatever, uh, or the, the odds on you know the, the cup favorites like the avalanche, but you know, it's not it's it's not a bad time to be an Islander, and that's those guys. The guys who know it are the guys who've been an Islander. Yeah, so for sure, uh, not Chara, of course. Yeah, but. <laughs> no, it was not a good time to be an Islander when he was an Islander. But no. uh, and because trust me, because I was I was watching him uh, while that happened. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I I wonder if the uh, old friends we see end up being uh, Thomas Hickey and Sebastian Ajo, who <laughs> have been kind of <laughs> relegated to the the phantom zone. Uh, well, I, I really, I don't know, man. I want to find out what happened to Sebastian Ajo. He was, he looked so good. Barry Trotz, I don't know. I love Barry Trotz to death, but man, there's something, something he doesn't like about Sebastian Ajo. I guess I don't know. Yeah, he's gonna, he's no matter what, no matter what happens with him. Uh, you know, an Islander anxiety episode number two hundred and thirteen. <laughs> we're gonna be talking a lot about. We're gonna be cracking up about what wherever Sebastian Ajo is these days. <laughs> you know? It is the question on on all of our lips uh, for sure. We didn't even talk about the injuries, like. JG Pajo having a cast on on vacation somewhere because his thumb was messed up and that's what we found out but or his hand I should say uh but uh yeah so like we said I mean it's funny this morning my wife was like uh so the season is over right I'm like well yeah but and I just rattled off half a dozen other things that are going to come up in the next two weeks well there's an expansion draft they got these protected lists and they got the regular draft and they got free agency I think you know so I'm like it's over but it ain't over for a while, so we still have to sweat this stuff out. But uh, we'll be here. Um, we will, I guess, I don't know. It's probably the easiest thing to do if, I guess, we talk after all that stuff. Uh, you know, the expansion draft is on the 22nd. The uh, amateur draft is a day later. And then free agency opens on the 28th. Uh, I suppose we could come back after the draft and see what happens. I mean, we we don't even we haven't even bothered talking about the actual amateur draft because the Islanders don't have a first-round pick. They do have two second round picks. Well, they have a second round, extra second round pick. But yeah, if they have it at that draft, I'd be very surprised. And uh, I mean, who the hell knows who they're even going to take? Probably some some Swedish dudes you never heard of. But uh, we'll we'll figure it. We'll find that out, and uh, we'll get back and talk about that, and uh, see if there's any movement uh, on the free agency front, and and see who's uh, who's on the uh, Seattle Kraken inaugural roster, <laughs> uh, which will be exciting for uh, for everybody. Should be a lot of fun. The Islanders should just have an expansion draft party somewhere. <laughs> it would be fun to watch. It would be fun to watch the expansion draft in a in like a fan environment as a team that isn't the one drafting right. because uh, you know you just don't know. Yeah. You, it's uh, and, and you can expect that Jay Moore will probably be there hosting it. 
He's, he's a good J, uh, expansion draft host. When it, to this yeah. day, whenever I think of expansion drafts, my brain immediately goes to NHL 94 or even the earlier games, the old Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo games, when those expansion teams were god awful. And like it was a sign of pride if you could take like the inaugural Ottawa Senators or Tampa Bay Lightning to a cup final or like, you know, build them up into a real good team using the detrius that, you know, the other teams let them have in those expansion drafts. And then the Vegas Golden Knights had to come along and kill it because <laughs> stupid Dale Talon had a hand them a first line that took them to goddamn cup final. But in any event, it's a whole other thing. Uh, okay. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I just think it's funny. Like you do think about those teams, like the Columbus Blue Jackets didn't win a playoff right. series until, 2019 yeah. or something. So, uh, Dude, Lyle Odeline was, was their first captain. Lyle Odeline, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah the, the Ducks, I remember, like Bob Corkum. Yeah. And yeah, like, you know, right. you just, it's so, if you looked at those teams and then you look at the Vegas one, you're just like, what? Yeah. This is completely different. But, uh, it does, the way that, I guess the way it's set up now is, is kind of makes it a little bit more intriguing for everybody. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's, the one thing I will say to like, if you are freaking out about the Islanders <laughs> cap situation and the off season, as much as we are, and it's, there are a lot of teams in a lot of different kinds of trouble. So uh, that, that too, I think is going to, I don't, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that, uh, you know, the, the, the Islanders aren't in like the worst spot, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. Yeah. Like this is, it's not, there are some, some good, pretty good outcomes that could come of this off season for the team. And um it's uh and it, and it the market is just going to be hilarious i think <laughs> i think you know we saw it with taylor hall and paul mary last year and that's just we'll see and uh i mean hoffman last year mm-hmm. and we'll probably see that again yeah with taylor hall and mike hoffman again because they're both free agents <laughs> again like that's i just i just it's no one i don't think anyone has any idea how it's going to shake out and yeah. uh and the expansion draft adds to that intrigue which is it's it's fun it's gonna be a fun month yeah. it's gonna be fun july of hockey expansion draft flat cap uh really short off season uh, this consp- this whole thing is coming together for to build an insane off season so uh we could see what happens and uh yeah no the islanders are definitely not the only team in a cap crunch and that's that's the problem it's like you get a lot of these yeah. guys who are looking for new contracts and every team is like well we can offer you you know it would be twenty thousand dollars it would be fun to see like if if they set it up as like a reality show with like whining and dining, Steve Eiserman, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you let me take you out to, uh, you know, Ruth's Chris and right. we can talk about Andrew Ladd because uh, it's, it's, it is basically at this point, it's like, you know, a sales pitch because yeah. uh, everyone is going to be calling him. Right. Uh, Pretty. Of course. And then, of course, Kyle Dubas is going to do 18 genius things, <laughs> according to some people. All of these guys are going to sign minimum contracts to uh, play for a Stanley cup contender in the Leafs that can't get out of the first round, but that's all. Uh, <laughs> I cannot wait for that. Documentary. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to, it's going to happen soon and we could all watch uh, and, and laugh and laugh and laugh all summer long. Uh, okay. Well, thanks for listening again. We'll, we'll be back after the expansion draft and amateur draft, probably to talk about, you know, what happens there and then free agency uh, read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. We're always there. No matter what, uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Uh, you will also have earned 
some time off <laughs> from uh, the, the hockey world for a little while. But uh, again, it never sleeps. The odds never sleep. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot more cool stuff coming. Uh, check out vintageicehockey.com uh, and buy some cool stuff. And uh, thanks for everybody that already has. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. And we'll be back soon. Thanks again, to Arthur Staple, for uh, giving us some time. And uh, we'll be back soon. And uh, we will see who is on and who is not on the Islanders <laughs> at that point. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.